0: Yeah, I have to say the developer advocate is not the job for people who don't like emotional labor um, because it's a, a two-way interface between outside developers and product. And so on the one hand, I'm bringing stuff in from outside developers who may or may not be happy to my product team. And on the other hand, I'm taking what the product team has built and figuring out how to make that relevant to developers on the outside, while I'm also maintaining all these relationships and connections.
1: What's up everybody, Jay Miller here, bringing another Productivity in Tech podcast my guest this week is someone that I met a few years ago at North Bay Python up in Petaluma California Heidi Waterhouse is a developer advocate for the company launch darkly now you might catch Heidi at conferences regardless of the language uh, she goes to Ruby conferences JavaScript conferences uh, Python conferences uh, I've I've Seen her on Twitter talk about the many different places she's going, been to, and looking forward to going to. And we talk a lot about that in the episode. And so here it is, my conversation with Heidi Waterhouse.
0: So my name is Heidi Waterhouse, and I work for a company called Launch Darkly. And we do what I sum up as Future Flags as a Service. And That means that we spend a lot of time talking to people who care about developer tools. So I've spent the last 18 months since I started literally traveling the country and the world talking about feature flags and how awesome they are. Um, But that means that I have spent shockingly little time at home. I uh, tallied up my my already planned trips for the next couple months. And I will be home nine days in March and 13 days in April. No, the other way around. Yeah. 13 days in March and nine in April.
1: Oh, wow. That's, that is a like, and is our, and you have a family and everything. So is this away from family? Does family come with you?
0: It is almost a hundred percent away from family. Uh, in December, I got to take my wife to uh, one of my conferences that was in florida and she says i'm required to go to that conference forever and ever now because she had a great time like sitting by the beach and i'm like yeah all the rest of us were in a conference room with a view of the beach
1: i think there's a who is it release notes i think their conference is in like cozumel this year or that's just not nice yeah like they they oh yeah we preserved a private island to do a developer conference like what yeah
0: (laughs) So, on, on my bucket list of things that I want to feel like I've earned, um, there is an intermittent cruise that goes to Antarctica that they're going to run as a conference. So, if you are a speaker who has the other six continents, you could get the seventh one. Oh, man. that's. I think they combine it with the crazy marathon people who have seven-continent aspirations.
1: So, is it like frozen conf?
0: I, I don't know. I, I'm like... I cannot personally justify five thousand dollars to to check that off, but man, it's tempting,
1: yeah, no that that's that's a little too wild for me. but we originally met, wow, two years ago, like, well, yeah, a year, yeah, two years ago. Last,
0: last okay. December not this December. yeah, yeah.
1: December of two thousand seventeen mm-hmm. We met in Petaluma and had a really good chicken sandwich at a bar and that tells you how much of a lasting impression you made on me is that i remembered that it was a bar and that i had a chicken sandwich and we shared cajun fries and it was really good and you were explaining to me a lot of what you do and and how launch darkly was was doing a lot of new things in the industry and one of those things was You have such a great representation and a a great diversity of of people in not only in like the actual teams, but being presented. And you are one of the people that are, you know, in the forefront of that because you are going to all these conferences.
0: Yeah. And I really... Credit launched Darkly with letting me be all of me online like when I started I said, okay So do I need to tone down my Twitter? Do you want me to get a professional Twitter? How do you want me to handle that? And they're like, no, we we hired you to be you go ahead and be you and um, I know other people especially other Sort of visible women on Twitter whose companies have said that and who have then been like I can't believe you're tweeting about You know menstrual supplies or whatever. Would you please knock that off? Um, but I've never gotten that message and it's great. And um, one of the things that LaunchDarkly sponsors me doing is if I can stitch together a couple of customer visits around it, they'll go ahead and pay for me to go to conferences to talk about diversity topics. So I just came back from um, PyCon AU, no, RubyConf AU. You'd think I could tell these apart. (laughs) They They were in Australia and they were full of lovely people. Um, Ruby RubyConf you giving a talk about um, ADD and neurodivergence on teams and it's not a lot of companies who are like yeah all all the publicity you bring us is good publicity go ahead and talk about weird brain stuff.
1: So it's not just you having to I mean, I, at first I was going to be like, "Oh, I feel bad because you're you're leaving your family to go to like PyCon in Cleveland." <laughs> you know, but... I, I do go
0: to Cleveland. It's <laughs> Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has a remarkably nice conference center. I'm just saying, more people should have conferences in Pittsburgh.
1: I mean, if you if you come to DjangoCon this year, you'll be more than invited to uh, hang out at um, in San Diego
0: with us. Yeah, sounds warm. The number of not warm places I've gone to is actually. This January has been ridiculous in that I, get, I got to go to Australia and then I went to Pi Caribbean, which is in the Dominican Republic. And uh, next week I'm leaving for South Africa.
1: So when you're doing all of this traveling, how does, because I mean, life has to continue at home. How does, how does that happen?
0: So I'm pretty lucky uh, in that I can afford to support my wife staying home. And uh, she can therefore support the kids doing all of their you know, various and assorted kid activities. Um, and my kids are somewhat older. So like if they wanna to talk to me, they will just call me on their cell phones because my kids are 16 and 14 now. And so they're just like, yeah, whatevs mom. That's just how it's been for the last four years. Like that's how we live. Um, so I'll come home and I'll get a hug. And they'll try and prove that they're taller than me. And I have to tell you, this year, I'm going to wear boots every time I come home. It's getting pretty close. <laughs> and um, then, yeah, we sort of settled back in. Uh, my wife and I have, have different housekeeping standards. So I'm always like, for the love of God, are you telling me nobody <laughs> swept the floor for three weeks? And she's like, yeah, but when I leave you alone, like, they go feral in other ways. Fair, I guess I guess you're in charge when I'm gone, and also when I'm here,
1: yeah, that's I think that's the relationship I have with my wife we're We're starting a podcast together, and I was like, it took me six years to convince you to do this, and she mm-hmm. was, she was like, because you already spend too much time in the office, whether you're streaming, doing interviews, or whatever, like you're always in the office, you're always busy, so I figured if I can't get you out of the office, I'll join you in there and we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> you know?
0: Yes. One of the things I do to try and make it a little less hard on my wife, um, although it's sort of a trade-off, is all of my uh, reward points and airline miles go to vacations for her. Oh, that's and nice. On parenting duty 100% of the time and sort of stuck at home. When I get home and I have enough points saved up, Um, I'll send her off to see her friends in Seattle or Boston or whatever. Oh, nice. Yeah. But that means that then we don't have that time together. So that's kind of hard. Yeah. Um, I'm actually kind of worried about what's going to happen when I stop traveling so much because I think we're going to have to learn to live together again. I get that, and and I think that's something that like the post retirement
1: problem, right? Well, I'm not not even post retirement because that that happens. Like you go through cycles in life. I mean, I was in the military, so I I was deployed for almost three years. Like I would go out for three months, come back for one, go out for three months, come back for one, and uh, I told my wife, you know, living in I've lived in San Diego for six years now, and this is the longest I've lived in any place. Since I was like ten, <laughs> and yeah. like it, the longest I've lived in any like county since I was like ten, and that absolutely drives me insane. Like I'm trying to convince her like uh, Seattle must be the place to go because I'm trying to convince her to move to Seattle too. And it's like oh yeah we can go move to Capitol Hill or we can move you know to to Renton somewhere and and she's just like no it rains and but she's it, always she's lived in wrong. Southern California so.
0: For her, no. it's
1: like this is just normal.
0: Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take somebody who is like who doesn't like rain to to the northwest. Don't do it.
1: Not gonna end well. It's been raining a lot here, and she's just like, I don't know what, the, like, what is happening. And I was like, well,
0: Why here. is the sky falling?
1: <laughs> we watched that movie the other day. Yeah. We're introducing our daughter to uh kids movies. So,
0: <laughs> oh man, that's so fun. You know what's even more fun is introducing your kids to grown-up movies.
1: Oh, well, she's she's only 6 months
0: old. So yeah, yeah, no, she's no, no. Wow. But, <laughs> yeah, she's got a She's got a web, but like uh when I'm home, one of the things I do with the kids is we have a standing date for family movie night. And oh, nice. and I tweet it because it's fucking hilarious. Um and so we'll we'll like talk through the whole movie about what's going on in the movie. And it's really interesting, both because I'm giving them like all this cultural background that I have, and also because their perspectives on it are super different. Um, It's sort of like uh, when my eldest read um, uh, Shirley Jackson's The Lottery in high school, because evidently we're still making kids do that. Wow. And he's like, what is this M. Night Shyamalan twist at the end? And I'm like, "Ah!" (laughs) no no fair that was your first reference for that 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 behavior okay yeah that's funny
1: (laughs) but that's that's cool like you you introduce ways to to make the time that you have more more valuable you know when you're at home and I I think that's something that I think people that don't travel all the time need to work on I know I need to work on that (laughs)
0: Yeah, like we've learned that we have to have standing dates with the people we love, you know, to keep a relationship going with them that isn't just a conversation about the kids. Um, But I think we also need to remember to do that with our kids and to say, hey, this is a special time that's set apart. The other thing I do, which they do not love, um, but will someday look back on fondly, is um, we'll frequently on Sundays have like digital timeout where you just you can't be on your screens and if you tell this to a 14 year old and a 16 year old they make a noise like the wicked witch of the west has just gotten wet (laughs) um but i think it's important and i do it too and we all sit around and like do a puzzle or read a book or something together Um, because i want them to have touchstones that are like memorable um and i'm not gonna say i'm perfect at this i missed my daughter's 13th and 14th birthdays i kind of sort of missed my son's 16th birthday um they're not they are not super like on the exact date birthday people but like i'm not doing great at keeping those dates clear and um i wonder if i'm i'm gonna pay for that later if that's gonna be a thing for them
1: well, I think more than anything, and and this is this is just me talking a, as a kid who was you know raised by a single parent. A lot of things just get normalized, and I think that's the hardest part is you, you don't you don't want the wrong things to be just be normal. Like, oh, you know, for me it was like I I didn't want to have kids while I was in the military because I didn't want to have that situation of like oh it's my you know. The birth of my daughter and I'm deployed, uh, which has happened to so many people I know. And it's just like one of those things that for me, it was like, I didn't expect, there were a lot of expectations that I could have had that I probably should have had that I just didn't have because that was just the way that things were. And I, I love that you're fighting having that by saying like, okay, I do have to go out and do these things. But then when I come back, we are sitting down, we are, we're catching up, but it's not going to be like a sitting down and talking like, you know, over the fireplace, like, tell me about the, tell me about the past week. Like, it's not that like we're doing, we're doing <laughs> yeah, fun no. things, you know,
0: <laughs> that's, that's not uh, it's not a winning scenario. The only time you can get a kid to t- talk to you, I think is if they are trapped alone in a car with you
1: or if they don't realize that they're talking to you, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the other one.
0: Yeah and i don't blame them like i don't really i think as parents we don't really have a right to the inner lives of our kids but we're so used to like when they're littler them telling us everything that we assume that they're going to keep telling us everything and no no because now they're teenagers and they're people and thanks (laughs) thanks no and like i remember being a teenager my parents did not need in on my inner life thanks
1: uh, I was a boring teenager. I didn't get fun until like my mid twenties.
0: Yeah, I was. I wouldn't say I wasn't boring because I kind of was, but I still had like big feels. There were a lot of big feelings, big yeah. mood, <laughs> and and like as a parent, I'm like, oh, you have hormones. I'm like, no, I have I have darkness in my soul. <laughs> And uh, yeah, no, I'm just gonna respect that the darkness in their soul might or might not be related to hormones, but whatever. Um, the other interesting thing about being away is like who manages all the household management stuff? And maybe if you're coming from a single parenting background, it's easier because there's no fallback. But like it I find email sort of stressful. And my kid is going on an overseas trip this summer. And there's all this like paperwork related email that involves things like get a photocopy of the passport. And so I'm like, hey, Megan, co-parent, will you please do that? Um, and Megan, who has worse ADD than I do, is like, yeah, I'll absolutely do that.
1: And then it doesn't get done.
0: <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And then the teacher's like, "Yo, I really need that thing and I'm like oh i I delegated it
1: so yeah, well so with that let let's um, we can we can move to that conversation not just you're not just advocating for um developers who have a d d or a d h d you are a a person in the tech space with a d h d oh yeah, yeah,
0: um and And I give a talk on this, and the fact that I was diagnosed as an adult because a lot of people are. I was as well last year. Yeah, surprise! (laughs) Uh, It it turns out that it's super heritable, so a lot of people figure out about the time they get their kids diagnosed, and they're like filling out this terrible form, and they're like, "Oh, that's me. That's me too. Yeah."
1: No, Hmm. so. How do you manage, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff happening when you're traveling, not just all over the country where you would only have to worry about plane tickets, but you know, you're traveling all over the world. You have to worry about like passports and, and all of those different things that come like, oh, I need to make sure I get my money exchanged. Uh, how do you keep track of, you know, the stuff that you have to do in Lisbon and then the stuff that you have to do in Sydney and then the stuff that you have to do in Oakland?
0: Um, Checklists. (laughs) I have a rigorous uh, set of checklists. And I also, I'm very fortunate that my company pays for a personal assistant for me. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So I can say to her, I'm going to Cape Town. Please find me flights on these dates using my, you know, pre-existing airline and hotel rewards and you know the the cards and she takes care of that part of it for me but i still need to check like visa um the one that trips me up all the time is power converters there is actually a universal power converter you can do okay but not a hundred percent um it turns out South Africa has a very weird one, but I think based on research that I can maybe use the European converter. We'll see. And that... and that
1: that's the thing that so many people tend to forget is it's, it's not the big, it's not the big tasks that throw you off. It's always like the smallest of details. Like, oh, you have to make sure like, you know, hey, like you said, if you have the wrong converter, then, you know, you're in trouble. You know, once you, when, when you're there, it's not like you can do anything about it. So you're like, yeah, oh, I, well. I
0: hope you don't mind spending, uh, like, 60 euros at the Apple store in Germany to replace it because I've totally done that. Um, That's when you do the, the two-week, like, no
1: questions asked return policy. Like we call it renting (laughs) where you go out and you buy it and you
0: take it back the next day. Yeah. Um, So yeah, what I do is a checklist and every time I forget something, it bites me on the ass. I add it to the checklist and I run through my checklist before I go. And I have packing checklist and I have like the three weeks ahead and the two weeks ahead and the day of departure and um, how I remember to get, Oh my God, prescription medications stuck uh-huh. a pain in the butt because if you have ADD and you're on a stimulant medication in the US, it's super controlled. You can't have like extra. But what if you're going to be out of the country when your prescription comes up for renewal?
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's not something that you can just like, if you're taking it and you stop taking it, it's not like, oh, I get a cough. It's like, no, you start wanting to punch people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, fortunately, I don't have the, well, no, I do have impulsivity, but it's not violent impulsivity. It's, <laughs> it's just like, I can't get up in the morning and I can't pay attention to people talking, which is kind of like 100% of my job is listening to people talking. Um, like, I honestly don't know if I will ever travel to Japan because Japan doesn't allow you to bring any of that in, not even personal use. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Wow they're super intense. Um, and so, yeah, I have all of these, do I need a visa? Do I, I actually almost never get cash for the country I'm going to ahead of time. Um, every country I've been to has an ATM and I pull out enough money to tip housekeeping. Um, and maybe if it's a super cash-based economy, like, uh, Santa Domingo, and the Dominican Republic is more cash-based than, say, Sydney, Australia. Um, But for the most part, I just use my card. Uh, Because otherwise you end up with, like, what are all these euros for? (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, those are souvenirs for all your friends to say, oh, did you bring me back something? I did, here's five cents.
0: Yeah, exactly. But it's euro cents. (laughs) Yeah, I I have all these travel hacks. I have essentially pre-packed bags of everything um so like when i come home i'll wash it and repack it uh but i have like all of my makeup lives in my travel gear i don't i work from home i don't wear makeup at home that often Um, all of my travel toiletries like uh a, a little traveling medicine kit because you should never go anywhere without taking imodium because if you need imodium you cannot go out to get it. True. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. And and not to mention, like if you're in a foreign country and especially if, if English isn't the primary language and you just grab something. <laughs> yeah. That could exactly. be dangerous. Cause like you said, not everything is controlled as, as tightly as it is in the United States. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, um, yeah, I, I run my life with checklists. Um, I accept that sometimes stuff at home gets dropped and that's uh, just an expense that I have to have to accept. Like, you know, once in a while I'll pay the bill and she'll pay the bill and all the, the bill is paid, the bank account is sad and, you know, but mostly how it works is when I'm traveling, I'm very much in the moment where I am.
1: So with that, actually, and I think that that would bring up uh, probably the last question that I'll have for the first part of the interview, and then we'll jump into the after show. Um, so your job primarily, like you said, is to listen to people speak and and to make sales, you know, to get the process started uh, in that sales process for Launch Darkly. Is there anything that you do? outside of that that you have to be aware of you know for your job for work um, as far as recruiting goes or if you're um, I mean do you have to go into like Oakland or San Francisco just to to hang out with you know people in the main office (laughs) I mean is, is there do you have to do those things and if so how do you how do you fit those in while you're you know touring all over the world
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I wouldn't even say I'm I'm the top of the sales funnel. I think of myself sort of as the whiskers of the organization. I'm sort of out in advance. So I'm giving talks on theory, but I'm also I visit customers. Like when I was in Australia, I visited four different customers, and I got them to organize a meeting and tell me everything that they feel about how it is to use our product. And then I take that back to the product team, or I'll um, Do women in tech special interest dinners? Um, And then yeah, I do try and go back to the office a lot especially since launch darkly isn't a distributed team So it's like me and the one devops guy who are (laughs) who are remote and um So it's important for me to go in because otherwise People tend to forget that i'm a resource that they could have uh, so there are enough conferences in the San Francisco area uh, that I basically build two days onto the end of any time I'm in there and go into the office. So like I was in, um, I was in San Francisco or I was in Oakland actually for the sales kickoff. So I could do some training for the sales team and basically explain to them what's happening in the industry. And then I put in two extra days on top of that to show up at the office and eat lunch with people and hang out with them and get introduced. Um, And that's really an important part of the team building for me. And I have to pay a lot of attention to it because everybody else is sitting in the same place. And with an all remote team, like a born distributed team, that's not such a big deal because you have meetings and everybody sort of is aware of each other online. But if it's a mostly local team where, you know, you pop your head around the door and say, Hey, can you join in on this meeting? Then I need to like be a visible and aware. And I'd guess that I spend probably, probably five hours a week curating work relationships and that means everything from like hey did you know that there's a a slack channel just for women here's where it is or sending people goofy gifts or like favoriting pictures of their kids or you know whatever it is so that they remember I'm there and that I'm a person.
1: So it sounds like as much as you're you're managing the relationship at home and including things for you to do at that time you're also managing things at your office kind of in the same way making sure that when you when you are in the office people know who you are people are familiar with you and you're not alienating yourself out of, I guess, the routine that is the day-to-day office grind.
0: Yeah, I have to say the developer advocate is not the job for people who don't like emotional labor. Um, because it's a, a two-way interface between outside developers and product. And so on the one hand, I'm bringing stuff in from outside developers who may or may not be happy to my product team. And on the other hand, I'm taking what the product team has built and figuring out how to make that relevant to developers on the outside while I'm also maintaining all these relationships and connections. I probably spend another five hours a week maintaining what I think of as industry connections. So that's, you know, making time to do podcasts and uh commiserating with people on Twitter and doing like recruitment uh connections. So like I know there are a bunch of people laid off here and I know there's some people hiring here. Let me introduce them to each other. Um, I or like uh I see somebody is is having a rough travel trip. Uh, let me hop online and see if there's anything I can do for them. You know, can I can I deliver them soup or something.
1: Yeah, I, I remember how how we were introduced. Uh, you, had, you had just given a talk and um, you had, it was weird because it was like we were, I wanted to at least say hi because I had followed you on Twitter for like forever. And I remember just being like, oh, I can't, like, I don't want to, like, and she just finished her talk. She's fielding questions about that. And I kind of like, we were breaking for lunch and I was just like, hey, Heidi, uh, big fan on Twitter uh, first time, long time, I guess. And I just want to say thank you because you actually bring joy to my Twitter timeline. Um, so I guess in the world of Marie Kondo, like you spark joy. So thank you for that. And you're
0: like, Hey, let's get lunch. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Um, Yeah. It's, it's hard to tell, like when you're in a super public facing job, what is your job and what is your personality and what is your, God help me, personal brand. Um, But I really feel like being helpful and doing education and listening to people, those are all things that I can get behind no matter who's paying me.
1: I like that. And let's let's wrap it there. So before Heidi tells all of us, how she can get in touch with us. I have to remind you, the listener, the person listening to the podcast. Um, well, I guess it's going to listen to the podcast once it gets published. Um, the conversation doesn't stop here. Uh, in a few seconds, Heidi is going to be asking me a series of questions um, that she doesn't know yet because this is the first time she's heard of this. And she's like, wait, what? And sometimes I spring it on people, sometimes I let them know in advance. I've known Heidi for two years. She's asked me hard questions before, so I felt like she would know. And to be honest, I just kind of procrastinated and forgot uh, to tell her about it. But if you want to hear those questions, then you need to help support the show with one week of hosting, which is $3. Um, Just look in the show notes. You'll see a link to our Ko-Fi page. That is Ko-Fi like coffee, but um, Ko-Fi, K-O-F-I slash J&J Media, which is the digital creation marketing thing that I am working on now and helping people in tech like you listening build your next podcast, launch your newsletter, be the next YouTube mediocre person because I never attest to any kind of stardom. I think stardom is dangerous. I just want to be happy um and you can be happy with your creation stuff but for more information on that check the show notes that's enough of that heidi please before we wrap up tell everybody how they can reach out to you
0: uh so the easiest way to find me is on my twitter at wired ferret and uh probably put a link to that in um also if you're ready to ask me for advice you can get to me at heidi at launchdarkly.com
1: You've been listening to my conversation with Heidi Waterhouse. I hope you enjoyed the show. I definitely enjoyed talking with Heidi. It's not something that I get to do all the time, especially since she's always out on the road. But, uh, again, the conversation didn't end there, so be sure to check out the after show. Uh, Again, you can do that by hitting up our Ko-Fi page or becoming a PIT member, uh, which is $10 a month or $100 a year. And both of those links are in the show notes and As always, a special thanks to Nadir Omawale for the use of his music, a hustler in spite of myself, and thank you, Heidi, for being such an amazing guest. But that's going to do it for the Productivity in Tech podcast. I'm Jay Miller. I hope we have been productive, and I'll see you later.